Welcome to the Jewelers Podcast, the podcast that talks to jewelers, retailers, and industry supporters about their experiences and insights into the jewelry industry. The Jewelers Podcast is hosted by Laura Moore and Brett Lowe and is part of the Jewelry Industry Network. Whether you're a jeweler, retailer, supplier, gemologist, valuer, teacher, or student, the Jewelry Industry Network is here to help you build your business in the jewelry industry. Join us today as a free member by visiting jewelryindustrynetwork.com where you can find events, resources, support, and so much more. We can't wait to work with you. G'day, Mr. Brett Lowe. How are you today? I thought we should catch up about the Melbourne Fair we've just had. Yeah, thanks, Laura Moore. Yes, it's been um, <laughs> it's been an amazing start to the year, as always with the gin team. It's it's always a busy time. Um, but yeah, straight back from Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, we've um, we've just come back from our Melbourne Jewelry Industry Fair, which is our second one that we've run uh, to date in Melbourne. Um, and we had uh, over 660 guests over the two days in Melbourne, which was just amazing um, as far as the turnout goes. And I think over 40% increase on last year. So we're really happy with that. And everybody seemed to have just an amazing time and our exhibitors were happy and yeah, we're just a bit chuffed. So how did you find it, Brett? Yeah, look, it was great to see the the halls so f- filled with smiling faces of um yeah not and it's not just people from Melbourne. Like I was at the front there. If you did attend, you saw me handing out the bubbles on the entry. And um, <laughs> yeah, people come from far and wide, from regional yeah. yeah regional plus interstate. There was quite a lot of people from far north Queensland and and all around the country that took took the effort and the time out of their busy schedules to come to Melbourne to visit the fair yeah. and uh, and do some shopping for their stores. Yeah, I think we had every state in attendance probably outside of Northern Territory. So we had Perth people there. There were some Tassies there, um, Tasmanians there. Um, you know, there was people from all over. You know, I was definitely there was definitely some South Aussies flying the flag. So, yeah, it was really nice to have um, this great representation of all states there. And we even had New Zealanders come over, including Debbie Whiting from Jewelry Time magazine. Um, so it was, yeah, it was exciting to see everybody back together again. Yeah, so Northern Territory, you've got to lift your game. What's going on? You've got to pull your <laughs> yeah. socks up. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> no excuses. If they can come come across the ditch, you can come a little further south. Down down the hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Or maybe next year. Um, what was one of the things that you found most interesting or most exciting about Melbourne? The, the variety of suppliers. Yeah, you know, when I take my my gin hat off and I put my my jewelry manufacturer hat off, it's uh it's really great to see such a variety of you know, color stones, made up jewelry, diamonds, whatever it may be, that there was a real broad cross section, yeah, in, including something for the, the retailers as well as the, the manufacturers. So it was, yeah, it was great. And, and high quality supplies too. We're not mm. talking you know, hobbyist type material. Good yeah. point. Fine yeah. jewelry. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We certainly have, um, I suppose, a very niche targeted audience, don't we? We're really, it is all about jewelry. Um, it's all about jewelry manufacture um, and and high end pieces, um, fine jewelry. So, yeah, it's it's good to see that industry support too that we're getting from all the different people that are coming along and, and a really broad cross section of guests as well, which I thought was fantastic. We're getting a really strong um, number of guests that are retailers and equally a strong number of guests that are bench jewelers. Um, and then, you know, mixes of, of gemologists and valuers and, and that come through the door. So really a great, um, yeah, great cross-section of the entire industry attending the one event. Yeah, yeah. And, and like new businesses too, you know, it's mm. not just the traditional businesses that have been around for a long time. Like, like as I said, I was at the front there and I was saying day to everyone that came through that there were a lot of young businesses coming through yeah. trying to find new suppliers. Like they're your perfect um, your perfect customer that's who you want a new supplier yeah. a new business starting out who's going to latch onto that supplier and you're going to be their their lifeline to um mm. yeah, supply their customer base yeah it's a really good point yeah um we also had um uh, which was really exciting the launch of women in jewelry community um which was fantastic and there was about 60 plus women um that were there at that launch and lunch um, and we had some really cool other little things, like we had a Paloy's gelati cart and we had some beautiful food trucks and we had our Oyster Butler again, sponsored by Showcase Jewelers and um, just so many different little bits and pieces. We even had a hand masseuse. Did you get a chance to have your hands massaged, Brett? Uh, 
Uh, look, I would have loved to, but no, no, I was too busy talking with my hands, <laughs> clapping my gums. So was I, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they they were really busy actually. I think we had them there for a couple of hours. Yeah, that was a bit of a treat for jewelers who um, obviously have got uh, tired and worn hands from from doing all their manufacturing to get a little bit of a treat um, in that way. So that was really well received. Um, yeah, and then we're really excited because uh, in the next um, few months, well, actually in about six months, we will be having our first um, jewellery industry fair in Sydney. So we're taking our jewellery industry fair from Melbourne and also fusing it with our jewellery industry summit that we ran in South Australia a couple of years ago and putting it into one big event uh, in Sydney in August at the stunning location of the Carriage Works. So if you um, are familiar with that venue, it's one of Australia's most well-renowned creative arts spaces. It's a beautiful warehouse location, which is um, just a couple of minutes out of the city and uh, is the perfect backdrop for our jewellery industry uh, fair, which um, is going to be at the end of August. Yeah, they've got to put that in their diary. It's a big one. So it's not just a, a sales event. You've got to come and get educated. So put it in your diaries. Make sure it happens, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. We're really excited about this one because it's got, you know, we've got some fantastic speakers coming along. You can come and do workshops with uh, people who are going to teach you how to how to do, um, think about designing differently. Uh, there'll be marketing workshops. There'll be, um, you know, world-class uh, global experts on diamonds, a whole pile of different things for you to be involved in. So if you love the Melbourne event, which everybody did, you'll absolutely love the Sydney one even more. So yeah, make sure you chuck it in your diary and check out the website. Yeah, going bigger and better. The, the jewelry industry network and the jewelry industry fair continuing on. Yes, very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> we can't wait to see you all there, and and we really appreciate everybody's support for all of our events that we have been running. Um, they are certainly, um, you know, been uh, an incredible way for us to get in touch with everybody and for people to connect with each other and to grow their businesses and to further the future of the jewelry industry. So we appreciate everybody's support. So tell us the dates. What is it, Laura? When do they have to come to Sydney? So Sydney is August the 26th, 27th and 28th. So it's the last weekend in August and it's at the Carriage Works in Sydney. So find your hotels, guys. Get in before it books out. <laughs> Anyone from overseas, please welcome. Please come over. We'd love to see as many uh, people coming to our, our beautiful shores in Australia and, um, and we would warmly welcome you to our event. Better jump into today's podcast. Let's do it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the next episode of the Jewelers Podcast. Brett Lowe and myself are here today with a very special friend of the industry, Peter Keep, who is the owner and uh, managing director of Jewelry Trading Solutions. Peter, welcome to the Jewelers Podcast. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's it's great to have you on board today. Like Laura and I have both been fortunate enough to been rubbing shoulders with you for a very long time so and it's great to see where your organization started to where it is now so um yeah thanks for joining us from and i I imagine you're in perth today is that where we find you yeah yeah i'm back in perth i was in sydney just a couple of days ago doing a course there so uh, i'm kind of spreading my wings a little bit now things have uh, settled down so that i can actually get out there and do what i love to do which is uh, face-to-face teaching um, but yeah, going back to our relationship, we've known each other for quite a while because we uh, shared shared seats on the JAA board, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's just nice to uh, to see you guys again. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time between well, drinks, Perth, really, face to face. Yeah, so isolated. So uh, yeah, I suppose, and that, that's probably where your business really started to flourish. And I want to talk about how um, jewelry trading solutions came about, and obviously its success online. But before we dive into that, um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your experience, Peter, as a jeweler, and how you, um, you know, were trained in the art of jewelry manufacture. Um, you've mm. got a beautiful UK accent. Uh, whereabouts are you from? originally i'm from manchester originally so uh, i uh, grew up there and my dad uh, was a watchmaker so that was kind of a side side door into the industry in a way although i was uh, i was destined to join the army and my two brothers joined the navy and all oh, right a military background so uh, that seemed to be where i was going but it was always very arty and very creative so uh, my mom and dad could see that and they pushed me away from the military and uh, my dad one day brought home some designs that he'd um, got so he commissioned a jeweler to do some designs 
And it just blew me away that I was really into fine arts. So when I saw that you could actually have a career where you can use your fine art skills, I and it's funny when I talk to high school students about the jewelry industry, they have no idea that there is an industry there. So mm. um, so I set the goal to become a jeweler, uh, which at the time, luckily there was a fantastic school in Birmingham. And I um, went for an interview there, I was the youngest candidate. And I, I, I thought I had no chance because, you know, all the other uh, potential students had already been to art school and you know, had a, a sort of foot in the door kind of thing. And um, yeah, I was very lucky to be chosen to join the 16 of that year, 1976, for goodness sake. So back in the old, <laughs> old white, you know. So uh, yeah, I spent three years studying and that's that's the, that, that was the foundation of where um, JTS, Jewel Training Solutions, started from where I really wanted to teach the uh, traditional goldsmithing skills and that's what I learned. So uh, uh, back in the day, it was very much a uh, uh, separated industry or fragmented industry in that um, you specialise in certain areas. So the area that I specialised in um, was, it was called diamond, diamond mounting. So I was a diamond mounter, which meant making mounts for diamonds. Oh. Back in the uh, Hockley or the jewellery quarter, you know, if I had a job there as a diamond mounter, I'd make the mount, it would then go to the assay office, it would then go to a finisher, so they're all separate trades, and then it would go to a stone setter. So, but that's how, you know, that's how um, vibrant the industry was. We could sort of spread the work around in that way. Um, so, yeah, I specialised in making mounts and uh, learnt from one component to two, and in the end, it was like multi component clusters so it's like top end stuff you know mm. Mm. oh that's fascinating um, i didn't know it was yeah. so split up over there oh, very very different now so mm. kind of um you know when i came to australia so that was back in 88 1988 so i, I set up a, a business in manchester and it was a full-on manufacturing business and i did a lot of uh, antique restorations and things like that so i did a bit of everything and um uh I came on holiday here to Perth, and that was it. I just knew I had to live. <laughs> yeah, the sun, I'm a fan of the hot weather, and the yeah. space, and uh, the outdoor life—it uh, just yeah blew me away when I got here. And I just couldn't settle back in. So uh, that's how I found um, found myself here in Perth, and uh, yeah, so that was fantastic. Nice. And you probably saw an opportunity too at that stage, having seen all the different seg segments of the industry in the UK for jewellery, you probably saw an opportunity here to really well, dive yeah. into a different version of the industry here in Australia. Well, yeah, so so what happened with me is because I moved away from, you know, I moved to Birmingham from Manchester to do, do my studies, then went back to Manchester. And there was no stone setters there. So I kind of, you know, I started using the uh, Birmingham stone setters, which was always very hard because posting stuff in and out, stuff like that was really difficult so I ended up learning to set stones myself and uh, learning all the finishing techniques and everything so I became a well you know well-rounded jeweler by the time I moved to Perth and uh, I opened my mouth when I got to Perth and said you know when I was looking for work I said yeah I can set stones and it was like they all jumped on me <laughs> they would today like, too you know, I think yeah you're in you're, you're fine so yeah I'm never short of work because I was setting stones and uh, and I found that Australia had, um, because we're so isolated here as well, that, you know, the jewellers here are very, very well-rounded. You know, they do everything right from start to finish. And that was a bit of an eye-opener for me, that um, jewellers had to cover everything here. Um, so, yeah, it was different in that regard. And I think better because, you know, the, uh, you, you know, a qualified jeweller here can pretty much set up and control the whole process from the start to yeah, that, that's one of the conversations I often have <clears throat> with our UK counterparts is I ha have to try and break it down to them and say, well, yes, I am a mounter and I have to use those those terms which we don't use here so they can try to get the, their head around, we do everything here and we, yeah. you just kind of have to to make it work. Otherwise, yeah. you're so reliant on, on other people and unfortunately, there's just not enough uh, new blood coming into the, the trade to fulfill yeah. those needs but uh i guess that leads to the next part of your story as well hey well yes yeah, so it was probably in 90 uh, sorry 2007 so uh, before that i 
the way I got into teaching is um, well, I married a teacher for one thing, <laughs> so, uh, and I always admired teachers. I always remember my teachers from college and from school, and I just thought the world of them. And I, I, I just thought I'd love to be a teacher, but I had no idea I could do it. I just didn't think I had what it took. And uh, it's only when I, when the kids were little, and I decided I wanted them to learn how to play football. I mean, the proper football, not the. Hey, hang on. <laughs> no, no hands involved. And I'm not going to call it soccer. It's football. <laughs> uh, so I took on the task of uh, teaching young kids. He joined a team, and I was the only one that put the hand up to uh, become the coach. So I did a coaching course and became a junior um, coach for football for a while and that it I could see that I had a connection with these kids and I and not only that I absolutely loved it I loved the you know the process of teaching and just influencing the kids and uh, just just seeing the joy that when they actually do something and they, they achieve something I really got a buzz out of that so I kind of thought well yeah I'd love to be a teacher but I don't want to like do proper teaching I want to teach you know what I know something fun <laughs> oh yeah but there's only one job in Australia in Perth for uh, teaching apprentices and, I, and luckily enough that job came up and I went for the interview and um, having Joanna's, uh, my, my wife, uh, her help sort of setting up a uh, mock lesson to show that I knew how to put a lesson together and stuff like And also my joke telling got them as well. So uh, they, yeah, <laughs> they, um, they took me on. And, uh, there was no other applicants, was there, Peter? Uh, no, well, <laughs> <laughs> the jokes were crap compared to mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah I got the job in 2007 and uh, I think Brett can relate to this in that uh, when I got the job I, I just thought I'd be taking over a program and then sort of you know just just run it the way you know just just modify it and just tweak it a little bit and all that so when I got the job I asked the boss I said all right so uh, he said you start next month a great way the program he said oh here you go and he gave me a big thick folder I could barely pick it up so I said, oh, hang on, and I flicked through it, and it was like, there's nothing there except for these odd sort of named units and elements within the units were like nothing to do with jewellery. It's all like picked out of all the a different training package, you know, engineering or mm. training package, and they were really odd sounding units. And I thought, well, where's the word jewellery? Where is, you know, how, how do we teach this? They said, oh, it's all there, you know, the units are there. And, so basically, that's all we got. There was no real program, which was probably a good thing because we said, well, do what you want. So I turned all that language into jewelry language and uh, made it a project-based course. And uh, and that's how it started. So basically, I had to rip everything out. And um, luckily, with the background I had with my uh, training, I kind of based it on that with uh, and and injected the new trends that have um, that have come in since since I did my training. And uh, I did actually connect with other TAFEs around the country, and they they were on top of their program, but they all had the same issues that they were trying to make a odd training package work for the jewelry industry. Uh, and we are an odd bunch because you know the jewel the jewelry trade it can't be lumped into other trades such as uh, if you look into the you know where where the training package belongs it's with boat boat builders it's with um, uh, sheet metal workers and plumbers and you know and, and we are a very we're sort of uh, between the arts and the trades in a way so I'm, you know I like to call it artistic engineering it's a real challenge trying to make sense of uh, the way that TAFE uh, wants you to teach the course so yeah um, it's basically, and I just did it the way that I thought. In fact, I put myself in the bo in the boss's shoes, uh, and thought, well, if I was sending my apprentice to TAFE, what would I want them to learn? Mm. How, what would make me happy if I came back and said, oh, today we learned this, that, and the other. Well, for one thing, when I went to TAFE, a lot of them wouldn't come back after lunch. They'd still be at the pub because you know, <laughs> uh, TAFE was like a bit of a waste of time, and it was that was the attitude that the uh, apprentices had they felt they weren't learning what they needed to learn so they didn't take it seriously mm. so, um yeah I had to make them want to come to TAFE and uh, I did turn it around so I'm very proud of what I did and I um I, I the student numbers um incredible retention uh, increased and uh everyone was happy even the bosses so uh, <laughs> oh well done years. yeah yeah Is 
is that sort of what made you want to though um, branch out into your own business that you could have more control over that system? Because you're right, the the TAFE system is very fragmented within states, and there's no input from the industry um, really at all. Is no. what you built with Jury Training Solutions was yeah. an online, you know, national um, offering that had you know consistent teaching with what you knew from not yeah. just the education yeah. system, but also from the industry's perspective. Yeah, well, uh, the start of JTS started almost by accident in that um, because uh, the apprentices came from far and wide, so um, it wasn't just the city apprentices I was teaching, I was also teaching the regional apprentices. Uh, so as far away as Broome and Port Hedland, you know, they come down in blocks for the training. So if they couldn't make a block uh, for whatever reason, then they'd just get, you know, left behind. So... Um, I had to put something, I felt I had to put something together where they, they felt that they weren't missing out. So I, um, I started off doing like um, a photo story of each project. So it'd be a picture uh, of the growth of a ring that, you know, has the stages of the ring um, making with uh, subtitles or whatever. So, you know, that, that's how it started to make my life easier as a teacher. Um, and um I found that, uh, yeah, it was it it was uh, creating interest outside of the the apprentices that I was teaching. So the students that were working alongside us, and they were like, "Oh, I'd love to do that," you know. And I could see that there was potential there. Mm. It's a very interesting when you watch, you know, you see it on Instagram and YouTube how you know when you see a ring being made and you know and it's sped up a little bit, it does look very exciting. And that's what kind of, you know, made me think, geez, there is a market out there for, um, you know, for uh, teaching jewellery outside of uh, what we had at Tafe. Um, yeah, so um, I, I just, I could see I could do it better than Tafe and um, I could make it so that it would be, um, it would be uh, something that other people can get into without getting an apprenticeship. Because as we know, Brett, it's a very hard thing to, mm. to, to find an apprenticeship. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting too. Like you didn't just see a need in the market. You actually had a, a genuine interest in the the outcomes of the student. Mm -hmm. um, so, so your initial intention was to make sure that they could achieve their goals. Uh, it wasn't just seeing a, a financial gain and a hole in the market to make money. So mm -hmm. I, th I think that that's a something worth focusing on uh, and why you, you put so much detail in. And I know personally that you will re-record -re and reissue certain training sessions because you realize okay i can do these better it's not just about turnover it's about quality exactly, um, yeah. and that and that's what people have come to expect and i think why um your, your videos and your training is so successful yeah yeah well i um my uh, goal personal goal myself was to get every apprentice through uh right to the end of their third year all at the same level regard uh, regardless of where what who their employer is what kind of work they were doing at work because as you know, um, jewelry apprentices, uh, not very many of them frame properly at work. You know, you've got mm. cleaning up castings all day or just doing repairs all day. And uh, you could see that as a teacher at TAFE, I could see which ones weren't doing any you know, proper handmakes at work. And I felt it very unfair that those that had real good training, you know, they, they would be better jewelers at the end of the third year. And those poor ones didn't get a good apprenticeship um they would have the skills to be able to make a handmade ring so i made it my um, goal to make sure that every apprentice that i trained had the same skills by the end of tape so it just made my life a lot harder trying to um do what the employer should be doing but that's the that's the state of the market anyway that's, mm. that's the industry that we've got that it is different at each workplace um mm. yeah i kind of had that foundation for um detail getting detail and, and, and um yeah just just uh, make, making my videos as good as possible so that they if they can't do it at work they can take it home and learn, mm. learn that way explain to us then the process or how does um the student uh learn from you with just their videos if they're remote or in a different state through jury training solutions because they just you know they're watching videos but they'd have to have the equipment with them uh, how does how does that business model work for you and for the student yeah, so um, the the way I've set the website up is that uh, if you're just a curious beginner and you just fancy 
you know, you've always fancied making jewellery, um, then there's a beginner level. So you can start off by, you know, just spending maybe a 500 bucks on tools. You know, you don't need that much to start and uh, and just just uh, start with very basic um, hobby type uh, jewellery um, just to get the, the feel of it and see that if you really want to invest more time and money into the um, into the, your new hobby, then there's another level, and I've called it advanced level, and it is basically um, apprenticeship training. So it is a, a, a fully staged program. So you follow the stages. So to simplify it, it would be stage one, one component jewelry, and then two, you know, stage two, two components. So, so it's a bit more complex than that. But from stage one to stage ten, I cover I cover pretty much everything an apprentice would cover during their training. But it's done in stages, so you can take bites of it and not get overwhelmed. And that's mm. with a you know people that think they could never make jewelry because they see uh, someone making something in third year that's just outrageously skillful. But there are steps, little steps to get there mm. uh, if you follow the program. So that's the advanced level to actually put yourself through training. And I'm part of that process as well, where I do do the assessments, um, so online assessments, uh, make sure that they're uh, they're ticking all the boxes so they can do self-assess and then I, I back it up with my comments and just make sure that they're, they've got uh, what it takes and having that apprentice experience for many years to know how you know how good it should be at a certain level then you know it's it's uh, something that I find uh, I can get them to stage 10 um, you know if they just follow the program and they do there's a lot of people that get into it and they they make a career of it being 10 stages, like your general apprenticeship goes over four years. What do you tend to find it takes people that commit to your program? What sort of timeframes do they tend to work through yeah, those do, 10 stages? I do get that question when people are curious and say, how long will it take before I get there? And if you ask that question, they're probably not the right uh, person mm. to take it on because uh, it means they're just going to go through the motions and not really worry about the quality. So um, I'm, mm. I'm my son at the moment so uh you know he, he's a really good gauge of how long it should take so um and he's because he's getting me full on and it's taking him a year and he's doing full-on clusters so if you mm. mix the um the time and the effort and work doesn't get in the way too much it can be done within a year but realistically you should uh think of it as an apprenticeship and take at least 18 months to two mm. years you know, and it's how good you want to be. So yeah, because it's not a matter of just ticking off. Okay, exercise number one done. Um, on to next exercise like, of two. It's, it's like repetition. No, it's yeah, like it's a, repetition. You know, a normal course where you can just oh yeah, I'm competent. Let's go. You know, move on. It's not yeah, I just wanted to mention that for any um potential young apprentices or uh, people looking at doing your course, it's not just a matter of doing ten projects. It's it's the the repetition time and time and time again to get those hand skills yeah well my, my son's actually on a, a big wire cluster at the moment and he's he's now got the um the good sense to know when to restart it and he's on his third attempt and he stops wearing now so that's <laughs> it's part of the job isn't uh, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole unit yeah. on that i think Brent, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. words to use words not to use <laughs> yeah. correct jewelry terminology when things don't work <laughs> that's right do you find, Peter, you've got like thousands of people that are watching your videos, probably at all different sort of stages. What's the level of people that are uh, starting out or just hobbyist sort of level? Do they do a lot of them transition into that advanced level or do they sort of go, yep, fantastic hobbyist, and then you've only got a couple hundred people to manage? I'm just thinking your time to go through everybody and actually yeah. have that one-on-one -on -one, um, yeah. backup yeah. for the uh, you know accreditation is incredible. Yeah, well, that's my job now. So, you know, I'm, I'm on the computer pretty much most of the time, um, attending to assessments and just making sure, you know, just running the... I do make a point of answering every email and being, um, uh, being a part of everyone's journey. So that's really important uh, for me. But I, I'd say that uh, people that get on board at the beginner level, gee, most of them want to get to do what they see jewellers doing. So I, mm. I'll commercial jewelry and that is the aim of most most people that's what they really want uh, they want to be able to do what jewelers do uh, but before my website there was nowhere to get that yeah a few online 
um, websites that do offer uh, some kind of training, but it's really geared just for your hobby market. It doesn't it, it doesn't help the industry if you know what I mean. It's not it's not creating potential employ, uh, employees. Um, but it is sort of you know there, don't get me wrong. You can have a pretty nice uh, career to do that kind of thing and just sell it on online. You know, there's plenty of uh, jewelry like that and there is a market for it. But um, yeah, I'd say that most people are really wanting to do what um, myself and Brett do day to day. So, Well, I've, yeah. I've started a couple of guitar courses like that and thinking <laughs> I'm definitely going to be on stage soon because I'd love to do what Xavier Rudd does, but it just doesn't end yeah, up well, do you know, as you know much. What, Laura, I'll tell you what blows my mind is I, I just do what I do and I you know, I didn't realise that it was um, having such an impact. Uh, I do get some really com complimentary uh, emails and, you know, I have a great rapport with my students online and that. But it's only when I go out to to do my courses. Um, so uh, the, the course I just did sold out straight away. So the, that was so encouraging. And when I meet um, the students that I've been teaching online, the compliments I get about, and they show me the work they've been doing and so this and it is it's remarkable you know they've not had any formal training they've not sat with the jewelry before it's just purely online and mm -hmm. um, when i uh, first thought of the idea i did have a chat with rats at the time uh, when we were both uh, connected with the jaa uh, about the idea and, you know brett said it's a great idea but i'm sure he thought it might be a challenge because you know you really need that you know to sit next to a jeweler the, the way it's always been done now you didn't say that but you know that is mm. the from the industry is that you know you, you're taking your apprenticeship uh master jeweler relationship away but it's it's not it's it, it works so so well so i i am gobsmacked Laura. yeah it reaches so far too p like it's it's not like you're just teaching australia you're teaching worldwide yeah. oh well one of my students was from siberia wow <laughs> yeah wow and a guy I came think... over from the Philippines as well. So, uh, you know, this is, um, it, it is. And I go to the UK. This is an annual thing to get, do some teaching there. I'll be doing some lecturing in um, Turkey. Uh, I'm hoping to be in America the following year. So I've got so many American students, but it's just finding somewhere to, um, to host my class there. So I'm sure I'll come up with something. Uh, Canada as well. There's an awful lot of students there. Um, so yeah, it's great. I, I look at the um, analytics of my website and I can see how far it's spread around the globe. And um, yeah, it, when I first started it, I had no idea it could spread so far. And, and what about the original Birmingham school where you started? Have you have you been back? Oh God, yeah, sad story there, really, because um, it was it was Birmingham Polytechnic when I was there, and. Um, I'd say sad story. It's just uh, I I think it's sad because it had a great reputation for teaching trade. Uh, they've gone down the path of um, um, upping the qualifications so you can get a PhD in jewelry and you can get a, I don't know. It's just crazy that um, you know you can get these um, very very fancy qualifications, but they've kind of steered away from um, commercial jewels. You, you can do a commercial jewelry course there, but I think the money is in doing uh, sort of more um, university type courses there. I was going to ask too, Peter, you're, the, the fact that, I mean, yes, you've got this amazing global audience, which is incredible, but for the Australian market, um, because we've seen such challenges with the employers not being able to employ apprentices very easily and they're often reluctant to because the skill sets are not there, are you finding yeah. the students that come out of your you know, 10 step course and complete all the units, they're actually far more employable and employers are willing to take them on yeah, um, more yeah. readily? Yeah, well, there's, uh, so they show dedication, they show interest and they show that they're going to stick around for the employer. Um, I, I absolutely get it. And I, I do fully understand the employer's attitude taking on an apprentice. Um, you know, I've always been reluctant myself. Um, so uh, I, I do get that. Um, now, back when I, I was involved with the JA, I did uh, work towards getting a Cert II pre-apprenticeship course um, up and running, and um, I had lots of support from the industry, but uh, typical, you know, trying to get the funding from the government. Um, it, it, it kind of happened for a short while, and then they pulled the plug on it, but that was, that was the answer. 
and the JA did back it and we had, you know, I did a lot of lobbying, so I spent a lot of time and effort trying to get the pre-apprenticeship course going. So that was the other catalyst that started with the JTS. Okay, so they ditched that, they couldn't afford, you know, so I thought, well, all, all, the, all the ducks were lined up. It, something had to be done, really, because um, we weren't getting any support. Um, our industry, uh, it was, at that time, the apprentice numbers were dropping off left, right, centre. Mm. You did wonder, are we going to have an industry in the, in the future? Mm. We're going. So when I left TAFE about three years ago, there was only five apprentices left, you know, after, you know, 40-odd. And you think, mm. well, lose the skills of the next generation. So yeah. But, yeah. but uh, you know, on the on the employer's side, you know, why it, there's a lot of time, money, and effort spent in teaching an apprentice uh to be, you know, to, to to make some money for them. And that's what it's all about. So if my service helps that process and gets them ready skilled to get that job, they still have to get an apprenticeship because they still have to get the qualification, but at least mm. they can pretty much start making money straight away for the employer. Yeah, and I suppose that's the that's the main one of the main reluctances, isn't it? That they, you know, if they're not coming in with the ability to do basic skills, then they can't even get them to start working straight away. Which I think is yeah, not only that, challenge. you get some that just don't even really realise what the industry is all about. They just mm. think it'd be very romantic to make jewellery, and then they get their hands dirty or whatever, and it's like ah. Oh. So there's the few weeks wasted where the employer also gets really pissed off about you know I'm not going to mm. take go on and go through the process. So. Yeah, it just cuts all that out. You, you, you get the better, you know, I go way over the basics, but um, there's a lot of apprentices out, out there that, that are um, they're indentured to a workplace to go to take, but they also have my videos on hand as well. So they get mm -hmm. really good full rounded training. It's interesting you say there about romanticizing uh, what our industry actually is. Um, I, I get quite a lot of people calling me about, oh, so-and-so they know wants to get into the industry. How how do you recommend that? The first thing I tell them is they go find a jewel that's going to let you sit in their workshop for a week. See if you even like it. Yeah. Because you know, it's not what you think it is. Um, but but what I should also be telling them, step two is they, they should be heading onto your website and yeah, doing a basic course as well. You can learn an awful lot. If, you know, there's a there's a lot of free lessons as well because I'm I'm a teacher before a businessman, so there's an awful lot of free stuff there that uh, they can get a feel of what it's all about before they get mm. involved in it. And it's pro probably a good starting point for those that may even be considering putting an apprentice on. Like, should they be contacting you and saying, do you do you have somebody in our area which is doing your course and yeah, I was just going to ask that, Brett. Great question. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, um, so I have a student, a private student group. So uh, anyone that's enrolled is invited to the student group. There's a, an awful lot of, yeah, I wanted to create a, an online jewelry school. So I wanted that community um, aspect of it as well. So um, that's what I've created. There's also a, uh, just the website, uh, Facebook. So, you know, there's all sorts. I'm always posting on behalf of employers uh, if they want to, find an apprentice then I post things on that and hopefully things things move on from there yeah like also with employees uh, employers should they be uh, are you open oh, to them contacting you saying oh, do you yeah, have yeah. A, a student yeah, in my absolutely. area yeah, yeah well my passion is the industry I want to see the industry flourish and, and, mm. and move on and I don't want any potential uh, seat next to a jeweler go empty for too long it's really important to get that seat filled and um, also, there's a lot of support as well. With um, so the government has turned around, uh, and they do offer quite a lot of support for apprentices uh, uh, for the employer. Um, so I know for a fact because I've taken on my son. So um, you know that you get a lot of support for the first year, which kind of compensates that um, time that you do spend to train the apprentice um, to get to that money making level. So uh, they, yeah, anyone listening, get on to, it used to be called Apprentice Centre, but if you Google Apprentice Centre, it'll still get you to what they're now called and have a look at the process to take on an apprentice. Uh, mm. You have to indenture them to the, um, it's still a three-way contract, so you still have to send them to TAFE or have a relationship with TAFE. Uh, what I offer is only training, so I don't offer any qualification, but my training is recognised, so... Um, it can be used for RPL, so um, which means recognition of prior learning. So it is recognised in that regard. Uh, yeah, get in touch if you want any information. I do have that 
relationship with a lot of employers around Australia, around the world as well, where um, it, I am involved with the trainer and with the uh, apprentice as well. And I have a lot of uh, major commercial businesses, and I'm sure Blue Nile don't mind me saying that I do help train their jewelers as well. So it's kind of spread to the industry in that regard as well. Mm. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, we're very lucky to have you here, Peter, because you've certainly um, a very um, influential champion for education in this industry globally, but certainly we're, we own you now in Australia, so we'll claim you <laughs> your hours. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but so, yeah, I mean, we're just so lucky to have you around and and offering what you're offering. Um, and it looks like you've got your succession plan ready to go with your son uh, in the wings studying with you. So that's that's fantastic. And, and because yeah, your that, videos are there, it's great that they're not right. going to go and anywhere. That, that wasn't intended. You know, I didn't really, at the time that he was looking when he was leaving school um the industry didn't look that good and now it is on the turn it's looking yeah moment. um and he, yeah he showed interest and um yeah he's, he's my uh, he's my clone so he's, yeah he's he's, he's going to make a really good jeweler and oh, good. my son as well is in the, in the industry so there you go so um that's that wasn't intended either but he fantastic uh, for a pearl a pearl farmer and just fell in love with the pearling industry and um yeah the rest is history he's just um he's, he's just so into the, the pearling industry now and working for let's say willie creek pearls at the moment so uh, oh, that's great yeah. and so, so i'm going to ask you a personal question peter so out, outside of all this jewelry because it's such a big part of your life which i can obviously relate to um what do you do outside of that like i've seen some of your your fine art painting painting online which i'm very envious of your hand skills there but yeah what, what keeps you occupied on, on your, oh, your time away from I the jewelry i love painting so uh, you know right from being a kid i i was always drawing and painting so that's never left me it's just life got in the way for well whilst the kids were growing up so i didn't pick up the paintbrush for many many years and um and now um i i've set up a little um area out out the back where I uh, do some painting and Jarvis, my younger boys, join me there as well. And he's far, be far better than me. So um, he's got a uh, potential there as well. Oh, far out. That's that's a high standard if I do say so, because I um, <laughs> you're, you're a long way from me. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. So, uh, yeah, so that's, that is uh, one of my passions. Um, yeah, and I yeah love travelling. So I'm going to, you know, combine my travelling with teaching. So that's, that's going to be part of my future. Yeah, you're very fortunate to have a career that enables you to to be able to do that as well. Well, that's it. I always like to retire at 60, but I've got a much better plan because I can still work, retire and take my work with me. So mm. as long as I've got a computer or access, then um, I can stay in position. Yeah, it's, it's great. Actually, that's something I should ask you too. Like with in this modern day and age, you hear of all this hacking and you know data theft how do you how do you back yourself up with that? Because if you're to lose all your your digital content, mm. that'd be de extremely detrimental to the business. That, that, that is the most frightening aspect of online, where everything's sort of in cyberspace, and um, you you are sort of. I, I do feel vulnerable, but having said that, my website is um, I use a platform called Thinkific, um, and. Uh, they pretty much have the whole thing covered where um, they're, they're the, web, um, the website library and they have all these sort of um, the, the connections with the payment system and all the, you know, legal requirements and everything. So, um, you know, if they're covered and they're a major, major uh, Canadian company, if they're covered, I'm covered. So it's, it's mm. very safe in that regard. So I'm, I'm very lucky to have found them. And yeah, also... Yeah brilliant developer that's helped me put together the website uh, in the way it looks now which the hardest thing for me was to make it so that you could navigate around it because it's there's way over 3,000 videos can you believe so mm. wow way over 3,000 videos and I've there uh, they're sort of um, put into around about 900 courses so you know each course would have you know about three or four videos and handouts and this that and the other um so yeah it's a mammoth task trying to um uh you know put, put it into a, a website where you can actually find what you want and you know people still struggle but it's that's just because there's so much there yeah 
Ah, oh, so you can go searching for what you want. Are you in each of the videos, uh, Peter? Did you do them all or did you video other people doing any of them? No, no, I did all. Uh, so uh, that's a lot. I work with a TAFE called Soham. He covers a lot of the beginner courses. So I, okay. he does um, very, all the hobby jewellers, you know, he makes very easy to make jewellery. So he's on board with me. I have a few experts that have their courses with me. Uh, but I've done pretty much most of it. So all the uh, advanced professional and all the stone setting courses. Is what I've wow. Done. Well you've done. Got, and you've got a hard copy, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You've got some digital um, backup somewhere. There's, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff. But... He's going to have the most well-recognised hands in the jewellery industry. Uh, no, yeah. <laughs> and and, and they, I do get picked up a few times. And say, oh, you need to clean your nails. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Part of the job. I'm very conscious of that. <laughs> oh yeah, wow! So, that's uh, really yeah, I do. I probably make about two or three videos a week. Um, when I started, I was very, very shy in that. I was conscious of my accents, my uh, you know, I didn't want to make it all about me. So you find some people online are very sort of they put themselves in front and they you know talk a lot of crap and you know. But I just get straight in there and this is what we're doing. Get on with it. No time to waste and. Hmm. Just, just the real deal straight away. Um, yeah, I still do two or three videos a week, and it's usually student requests that, um, oh, how'd you do this? Because I've pretty much covered, or I think I've covered everything. Um, but yeah, now and again, some someone will say, well, how do you do this? So I'll just yeah, chuck another one in there because I want to make sure that I do cover cover as much as I possibly can. I've been called the Netflix of uh, the jewelry industry. <laughs> scroll scroll add to list (laughs) um you're starting to do some more courses that are face-to-face now you were just recently in sydney i think you said in doing a stone setting diamond setting course um what else have you got planned for australia um so uh possibly another course in perth later in the year um uh, we've got um, another course in sydney in uh, november I'll be in Tasmania next week, but I'm not. I'm not working there. It's a <laughs> Don't tempt them, I'm then. Sh- I'm sure I'll be wandering into jewel shops. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Well, make sure you send us through all of those details, and then we can make sure we add them to our website as well, and um, yeah. put them all over That's the cool. jewel industry network because we're we're you know we're really wanting to help where we can too with education yeah, yeah. and yeah, and um yeah, yeah. yeah push it forward as, as much as possible so that's we love what you're doing you're amazing thank you thank you yeah just amazing what um, i'm excited that you said you know that you're starting to see a really different shift in the industry that it's it's moving in a different direction what are you seeing that is um more inspiring than maybe what you've seen before um well it's the online um, revolution has just been amazing. It's changed a lot of industries, but um, it's certainly changed ours in that whether or like it or not, you don't need bricks and mortar anymore. Mm. So you can do pretty much everything online. So even train yourself online now. So I'm finding um, you know, that there's a lot of smaller uh, jewelers around, um, you know, making a name for themselves, setting up their own websites and, um, you know, a good, Good business, good business is going, and and that's that's something that's uh, that's different to when you know I first got into it. Um, I I can see that the industry is getting stronger for handmates as well. So there's a lot of uh, people are getting more educated about uh, what's available, and uh, mm. they want they want that care and attention spent on their jewelry. Uh, I think um, Instagram has been brilliant because you know it just showcases some of the we've got some incredible jewelers here and uh see a lot of brett's work as well so it does it brings people in so you don't need to shop front anymore you know those people mm. will see what you do and they'll see the difference of what a handmade is mm. you know professionally professionally made like that and um yeah i just think there's a shift in that way that people ask by getting the um you know hey. benefits of that do, do you agree with that Brent? yeah and, and just to go further with that too i was actually talking to one of the diamond wholesalers yesterday and he was saying some of his top um retailers that he sells to uh, have all popped up in the last couple of years the majority mm. of them are female owned and, yes. and none, none of them have a, a bricks and mortar store yeah. they're all yeah. online yeah 
And, and I, 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 you probably agree with me on this, Brett, that uh, the su most successful jewelers I find are the ones that have got their in-house jeweler. Jeweler. Oh yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. It's a selling point for retailers. So um, I think there's a shift in that as well, where it's not just your supermarket type jewelers uh, that are dominating. It is the smaller independents that you know take mm. the handmakes. Um, yeah, mm. I think that just educating the um, the public about you know that uh, these different ways of making jewelry and why you're paying so much is so important. And mm. I, a part of my plan when I'm doing a face-to-face -face course uh, with my students is I tell them you're 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 now educators as well as um, you know being an expert in what you do. You are you have to take on the role of being an educator. So every customer that comes in, you really got to tell them as much as you can about what you're doing and you know, why you're doing it and what's involved and why, you know, why it's far better to have a handmade mm. than a cast piece of jewellery. So, mm. yeah. And also their personalities is what they're buying as well. I mean, it's a very creative industry and you buy you buy jewellery because it's a personal uh, adornment of your personality and your love yeah. and all these other things. So it needs to be that, yeah, have that personal crazy. connection. Yeah, and I find that with, because I've been trying to give up my, I, you know, I don't do much in the way of commission work it's just my old old customers that won't go anywhere else and uh you know so i'll look after them because they just they they trust me and, and it's so important to build that trust uh, mm. you know, kid it was um you know the the village where i was from you would have your own personal banker your personal lawyer your personal account you know and you would not go anywhere else and it would be the same with the jeweler you'd have your own personal jeweler that was the family jeweler and that was it you know there's so much trust there um so yeah i think that's that's coming back that people are just finding and trusting uh, a jeweler and um yeah i think that's that's great so it's kind of turned mm. around regard we did go through a lot of um uh upheaval with all the massive importation and really cheap made stuff and all that and, uh, people learn the lesson when it breaks down and the jeweler won't yeah <laughs> yeah and they can't post it back easily and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well we we'll definitely make sure you send us through the details of your next few courses and links to your website obviously which we'll make sure we put in our show notes and um yeah. peter thank you so much for being on the jewels podcast it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with yeah. you again and we can't wait yeah. to see you in person now i have to finish on a joke because I yeah <laughs> <laughs> they're infamous yeah it comes yeah, with the tail tree yeah I, I get a lot of uh, disappointed comments when uh, you know i don't <laughs> put my joke uh, on the videos but um, if you invite me to come and teach then you'll get plenty of them so there's there's a there's a, a man and his wife out shopping and uh, she's wandering around looking at the clothes all this that and the other and she looks around she can't find her husband and she's where the hell are you she's getting so pissed off she's near there and everywhere no sign of him so she angrily picks you know, dials through and says i'm looking for you everywhere where are you where are you he goes oh darling this is on Remember that jeweler's shop that we went past a couple of years ago and you saw that beautiful diamond ring with the rubies and, and it was stunning and you had a tear in your eye and you said, oh, one day I'd love my husband to buy that ring. Well, her attitude changed then. She said, oh, yes, I do remember that. He says, well, I'm in the pub next door. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, it's been lovely talking to you guys. <laughs> Well, it's good to end on a laugh, Peter. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. Oh, that's no, great. <laughs> no, I really, really appreciate it. And um, and we'll be in touch yeah. again really soon, for sure. Yeah, get in touch. So uh, my contact details are on the website, jewellerytrainingsolutions.com.au. And, uh, yeah, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Amazing. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for tuning in. Please hit subscribe to the Jewellers Podcast so that you don't miss our next episode. You can get in touch with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just search for Jewelers Podcast. See you next time.